You could say it all started at a Dunkin' Donuts. 25 years ago, 17-year-old Sean Reynolds spent many evenings and weekends working there as an assistant manager at the location on Ford Road in Canton. It was an otherwise unremarkable job, filled with the drudgery of swapping out coffee filters, soothing flustered customers, or training new employees. But there were two perks. One, he had hiring power. And with this power, he hired the younger brother of his crush, Katie Buckley, in the hopes of making inroads with her. Two, the Daily Ten. As a high school kid, I loved the, I, I stayed up late watching uh, Letterman, and I loved his top 10 list. And every Saturday morning, I would post a Dunkin' Donuts top 10 list for the employees. Uh, it was all inside jokes, but everybody really looked forward to it on Saturdays. So I can remember being in high school and like sitting at my desk during school and working on my top 10 list and like not paying attention in school. <laughs> it was a little highlight that foreshadowed the man he would become. I always wanted to do something with comedy. Few people predict which unremarkable moments of their lives will actually be meaningful. And Sean certainly didn't. But for him, this Dunkin' Donuts position was one of them. Because within several years, he would marry his high school crush, Katie Buckley, and become a father. And much later, he would become a comedian full-time, supporting his family of eight, and traveling all over the country doing comedy shows, headlining multiple tours, appearing on ABC and NBC, becoming a finalist on Chicago's National Clean Comedy Challenge, and the winner of the funniest comic East of the Mississippi contest. Hey, I've been Sean Reynolds. You guys have been so much fun. Thank you guys so much. Welcome to Detroit Stories, a podcast on a mission to boldly share the stories of the people and communities in Southeast Michigan. These are the stories that fascinate and inspire us. Church supplies to take you from ashes to Easter. Shop G.A. Fuchs Company for everything you need as you journey through Lent to Easter. Visit FuchsChurchSupply.com. Canton native Sean Reynolds felt confident about his life decisions and immensely blessed by them. He met his wife in high school, they got married a few years later, started a family young, and ended up having six children. But there was one lingering question mark about his career that gnawed at him from time to time. Should he have pursued comedy? That thought came back to him 12 years ago at his brother's wedding. But when I was 30, I'm very close with my brother. I gave the best man speech at his wedding. And he, uh, you know, I, it was more of a roast than a toast. And I had everybody laughing and I was joking about my brother and his and his new wife, who I knew really well. And afterwards, people were just very complimentary. Uh, two family members in particular were, you know, just like, wow, like that was the funniest thing I've ever seen. And my aunt, my aunt Denise, she literally told me she was like, you missed your calling. She's like, you should have been doing stand-up comedy this whole time. Like, you missed your calling. She said it like almost like in a sad way, and, I, and then it made me sad. Sean never doubted what his true calling was, being a father to six children and a loving and supportive husband to the love of his life, Katie. But was it possible that when he pursued the safe job to support his family, he should have held on to the dream that lingered in the back of his mind? He had to find out. And enough people complimented me that I went a few months later and did an open mic at my local comedy club. The first Tuesday of every month, they give people three minutes and you can go up and and usually bomb. And but it and that's what I did. I started going to open mics, but it was really based off the compliment. 
open mics were like a wilderness survival test for his comedy. If he could be funny in the hostility of the open mic environment, the brutality of a room full of indifferent people, he just might be good at this comedy thing. Um, and it's not a good environment. Open mic is, is, is the worst kind of comedy show because this is a show where a lot of the people at the place didn't know a comedy show was happening. <laughs> so, you know, we did a lot of bars uh, where people are drinking and watching the game. And then all of a sudden the bar manager is like, turns on the microphone and then mutes the TVs and is like, hey guys, there's going to be a comedy show for the next hour and a half. Uh, of which some people are annoyed by. Uh, and then sure, you know, you, so, you know, every comedian might maybe has a friend or two show up, uh, but it's all amateur comedians, so it's it's terrible. But it went well, surprisingly well, even when he tried out a bit about the cry room at church. I remember, you know, doing my cry room bit. I do a bit about taking my children to the cry room. You know, we attend mass every Sunday. When you have babies, you go to the cry room. I'll never forget doing that bit for the first time at this bar and all these like biker dudes are there. They're watching the hockey game and I'm talking about taking my kids to the cry room, but I made them laugh. And I was like, oh my gosh, like that's gold. If I'm making the bikers at a bar laugh with my cry room bit. Then maybe his comedy had potential to go further than a hobby debuted for wedding toasts. He started making open mic nights at the local comedy club where he now lives in Lexington, Kentucky, a regular habit. I would just go do the open mics and we had quite a little bit of a scene there. There was, a lot of, there was about 20 comics that wanted to do it regularly. So we started asking coffee shops and bars and anybody that had a microphone if we could do an open mic night. And it got to the point where we, got, we had about five or six shows a month where we could go and do amateur comedy. And uh, that's where I, that's how I got my start. Something really unique about Sean's popularity in the local scene was that he didn't resort to the lewd or vulgar humor that is characteristic of mainstream comedy. It wasn't as if he was trying to be a clean comedian per se, he was just being himself. My friends might tease me a little bit that I'm like the clean cut dad. So it was already my style. Uh, I'm not a prude, you know, I like, I like comedians that aren't clean, but my style just, that's just who I am. I'm a dad of six and, um, and the first time I went to do an open mic, uh, I was going to the, I was going to do the open mic and my kids were excited and they made me videotape it. They're like, you gotta, you gotta take your, you gotta take your, this is before, you know, this is before we had videos on our phone. They're like, you gotta take your camcorder and video it, you know? And so that, that right there made me make sure that all of my material was clean. I, I think I had maybe one joke that maybe was, not that it was dirty, but maybe it was a little more edgy. And I took it out because I'm like, well, if my kids are gonna watch this, you know, I want them to be excited. And, and that's literally how I was 100% clean, was that my kids really wanted me to film every time I went to these open mics, they wanted to see it. His sets shamelessly showcased everything that he was. A father of six. I've actually not been getting out a whole lot lately because my wife and I just had a baby. Number six. There it is right there. You guys couldn't even pretend like that was okay and normal, could you? Immediately shifted gears from applauding to praying for me. I appreciate that. A devoted son. And it turns out that my mom has no business being on Facebook. She calls it the Facebook, and she's driving me crazy. Here's what she does. She posts things on there, and then she calls me on the phone two hours later to see if I saw what she posted. It's like, 
hey mom, you're ruining the best part of social media, which is not having to talk to anyone. And trophy husband? Yeah, I've been trying to, I've been trying to be a more confident person. I read that somewhere that you ladies, you like it when you're, your man is confident, so I've been letting everybody know that I'm a trophy husband. Pretty proud of that. Gonna put that out there. Not the joke, man, but thanks for laughing. That was not the joke. Trying to work on my confidence. And you're laughing right in my face. It was during this time that his wife took him to a Christian comedy show to see Tim Hawkins, a man whom Sean now considers the mountain of Christian comedy. He didn't have huge expectations. For one thing, the program wasn't in a bar or a club. He was at a church in Lexington, Kentucky, and um, I sat in that church and I watched his show and I was blown away. And I saw his opener. His opener was also very good. His opener did about 20 minutes of clean comedy and he was great. And I was like, man, like that's, this is so much better than the comedy clubs. You know, the, the, the vibe in the church is better. People just come in with more joy already, sometimes in clubs. There's, there's alcohol and there's hecklers and it's almost combative at times. Some people come into a comedy club almost like with their arms crossed, like, all right, buddy, let's see how funny you are. And at a church, people come, come in already with more joy and they want to have a good time. They want to be entertained. They want the comedian to do well. And the vibe in the whole church that night was really something I had never experienced before. And I was just sitting there like, wow, this is like, this is my goal. This is my dream. If I had to write out my dream would be to do these kind of shows like Tim Hawkins does. Sean instantly became Tim Hawkins' number one fan. You know, the idea of opening for him would, be, would, have, like, would have been a dream that I wouldn't even have dreamed. But that dream was very short-lived because in 2017, it became reality. Tim's manager called Sean and asked if he would join the Tim Hawkins tour to do a handful of shows a year. Sean started touring with Tim, quit his job, and went into comedy full-time. Instantly, the comedic dynamic was a stark difference. His previous experience was like working out in a gym. I felt like I felt like Rocky, you know, in the Rocky movies where, you know, Apollo Creed is training in the horrible gym and Rocky is training in the in the gym in Philly where the, the, the roof is leaking. And, and and but then you do all that work and, and those behind the scenes, not so great environments. And then when you show up with the with the lights and the, and the cameras and the stage and the audience, uh, you've put in the hours in those horrible environments and it shows on stage. It's like I tell everybody, especially Christian comedians, is that if you can if you can if you can have success in that environment, when you arrive at the church to do the show that you really want to do, you're gonna do great. From there, it wasn't long before Sean was headlining his own shows, working corporate events, booking a schedule full with churches and nonprofits all over North America. And unlike the mainstream where the name is what sells tickets, in Sean's scene, 90% of people coming to his shows never heard of him. They're coming for something else. I mean, it's right there in the Bible. It tells us that laughter is, is good like a medicine. I know a lot of people are going through rough patches. I always know after my shows, people come up and they'll say, I'm going through a terrible you know, family crisis and this is the first time I've laughed in a while or my husband passed away recently. Or I hear that a lot. And so I think about that before the show. While Sean doesn't explicitly evangelize in his shows, he does see his work as some sort of ministry work that inspires healing, connection, and distraction from pain. This became especially important for many COVID-wearied churches in 2021. This happened a lot in 2021, coming out of COVID. A lot of churches were booking me as like a re-entry point, a, a, a way to get people to come into the habit of coming back. Uh, but yeah, I have a lot of people, a lot of priests and pastors tell me that it was so good to hear the laughter ringing through our church. 
seeing the community coming together. And I think when you can come together and have a great time inside your church where you worship and come for an extracurricular activity, um, yeah, I think there's something like really special about that. And it kind of helps reconnect you um, because it's so easy for us to be isolated. That's what I think the biggest thing is it gets us out of the isolation because now we have so many we just, everybody's just at home all the time. So yeah, I think people are getting to come to their church and, and laughing together. I think that is, can be seen as a spiritual experience and, and a great release. Before each show, he starts with a prayer. I pray before the show that I know there's going to be a handful of people in the audience who have come and are going through a very rough patch or facing major adversity. I just know that there's always at least one person in the audience. And so truly, I'm just trying to give that person an hour or so uh, break from those from that from that weight and to let them laugh and maybe kind of turn out tune out life uh, for an hour and uh, and so that's that's the number one thing that that I want to do is I want to ha- give people a little bit of a break if they're going through a tough time and I like I said I hear that a lot people come up to me after my shows and and will tell me you know they'll tell me what's going on in their life I had a woman recently tell me her son got killed in a car accident eight months ago and she hadn't left the house for eight months she hadn't done anything. So uh, I already knew she was in the audience because there's always somebody like that in the audience. So that's truly my focus is to give those people an an hour refuge. Sean always closes his shows with the same bit. It's a story about how he and his wife adopted their son, Keegan. I want to leave you guys with this story. Um, It's a true story. It's a special story. I'm not going to change anything also to make it more miraculous. I told you guys at the beginning, we adopted our fifth child. It's a cleverly crafted 10-minute story where he unfolds the miraculous with his characteristic humor and leaves audience members with a mixture of laughter and tears. But it also holds in it a theme that's been consistent in Sean's life. And the theme of that story is God has a plan for us, and whether we like it or not, whether it's our plan or not, we need to follow that plan because the plans he has for us are good. And God can come into our life and do amazing things. I'm not preaching to people that you should be doing this and you should do that, but it's more of like, here's how I live my life and how it's, how we've been blessed by listening to God's calling in our lives. Detroit Stories is a production of Detroit Catholic and the Communications Department of the Archdiocese of Detroit. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. Church supplies to take you from ashes to Easter. Shop G.A. Fuchs Company for everything you need as you journey through Lent to Easter. Visit FuchsChurchSupply.com.